I'm found, I get knocked down. But I get up again. You're never ever gonna keep me down. I get knocked down. What's up, Dave? How you doing, man? Man, I'm just feeling a little mumbo jumbo. Funky. Chumbo wumbo? I forget nice, what they're called, dude. They were great. Chumbo wumbo. Chumbo Good old wumbo, days. Mumbo wumbo, whatever, dude. It's all, it's all gravy. So, you watched the game. We didn't get I a did, chance indeed. to talk about it. Everybody right. in the chat was the round for that fucking amazing ending. There are so many things to talk about with the Thunder right now, but let's just start off with the fact that the Warriors can officially call us daddy, I think, now. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, we just, if you take out that one game we lost, which uh, Unk went to, by the way. Um, Unk, don't go to any more um, You're grounded. Uh, Golden State Thunder games. <laughs> um, but uh, no, um, I think it's great, though, man. If you think about what we were able to do and accomplish um, right now, it's 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 truly spectacular and yes golden state is down that does not mean they're going to stay down all season and being able to beat a team like we did three times this year uh, while they're trying to figure out their legs right now is key because they are going to go on a run and they're going to be unbeatable and when they do that i don't want to play them and i'm i'm glad that we don't now you know there's a lot of times we'll look at the schedule when it comes out and we'll see these teams and we're like tough team wash alsambra keelan what's up guys tough team easy team tough team easy team and then all of a sudden the Rockets are streaking, and the Warriors are slumping, and so it flips. And all of a sudden, you win the game you think is going to be tough, and you lose the game you think that you should win. But either way, we're sitting here, and we've got second place in the West in our pocket. Now, yeah, not dude. very many games. We're, what, 20 games in or something? So 21, yeah. of the way, a lot of things can change up. But so I'm much. still pretty sexy right now. Yeah, and we should be because when you're sitting in second in the West and in the last three seasons, you're just sitting out in you know non-playoff contention at this moment in the season. Um, and that's really where we were at last year at this point. Um, we were just like wishing we could be in the top, wishing we could be even in the top seven, eight. Um, and we're just sitting in that you know tweener spot. And now it's just nice to be able to sit there and be like, yeah, we've earned this spot. We've earned this position. And it's it's enjoyable for sure because... Uh, you look at teams and, you know, yeah, we got beat by the Houston Rockets, but the Houston Rockets are, are playing really good at home. I, I shouldn't feel like that should be like a slap in the face at all by any stretch of the imagination. And they beat the Denver Nuggets um, uh, a couple nights ago. So, you know, they're just a, a, a good functioning team right now. And that's weird to say from the Rockets because they're going to go in these waves where they're going to lose eight, nine, ten games in a row. And then they'll flip it around and do the same thing in winning games in a row because they're young. That's what they'll do. Um, and that's what the Thunder are, are so great about right now is that we're consistent. You know, we're consistently in that, you know, 14 and seven, we win four games, you know, we lose a game, you know, it's just this awesome, even keel way of playing. And that's the thing that we have to do throughout the season. We shouldn't get too excited about crazy runs. We will go on uh, winning campaigns of eight or nine games in a row. Um, but the reality of this is that we just get to sit back and enjoy what's happening in Oklahoma City right now. So we got a big vote in two days in Oklahoma City here, and I'm hoping that that goes through. It seems like it has a lot of support. I know some people who aren't supporting this. Up, so, and I understand that. I understand both sides of it. I mean, there is a really good case to be made that ultimately ownership isn't chipping enough money. But as it stands, um, I'd like to get this deal done. And then we can move forward. I'm sure Sam Presti feels that way too in the whole organization. So I'm glad that the people get to vote on it because they're the ones who are going to have to pick up the bill. 
So, you know, I'm hoping that we can move this forward and get that done. I want to see it move forward. Hands down. I I want to see an Oklahoma City. It does not mean I'm going to ever change my support for the Thunder, but I don't want to see a team leave Oklahoma City right now because over the next 25 years, it could be, you know, tens of billions of dollars that the team is able to bring into the city and the organization and all that other stuff and the jobs. And to me, like that, that, that right there changes a city, you know, like, um, would Chicago be the same city without Michael Jordan winning all those championships in the nineties? You know, like you got to sit back and you got to say the same thing about football. You know, I sent Mark something the other day, you know, people are coming to Oklahoma city. They're moving to Oklahoma city because the Oklahoma city thunder it's becoming a a center of a, a place that you could go and cheer for a team that you love. And it's un- unlike anything I've ever seen in Oklahoma City before. So for me, I look at this and say, hell yeah, we want to keep our team there because this brings jobs. But the reality of the situation is that it's up, not up to us. You know, yes, we are voting. Yes, we are going to help that vote push through. And we're telling everybody in, in our orbit to say, you know, push the vote through. But and the reality of it is the Oklahoma City Thunder is always going to be in Oklahoma City. And I don't think that there's a chance in hell that people are going to vote to turn this down because if they did, they know what's going to happen. We saw it happen in Seattle. You know, this team is, you know, a, a, a coin flip away from moving to Seattle again or moving to Las Vegas or moving to, you know, another big city. And that's what's concerning. I wanted to stay in Oklahoma City, but is it going to change my wavering fact that we got to see this team as a young team early on? No. So, yeah, man, let's get it done. Let's get it passed so I don't have to worry about this anymore. Yeah, we like that this particular team represents our city. And shout out to um, the mayor, Mayor David Holt, for putting this on the ballot in in such an amazingly well-timed move. This team is starting to get the energy back. I heard so many people talking. I I watched the post-game press conferences and stuff, and they were just like, did you feel the energy? Or is this like the old days? They asked Shay, like, have you ever played in it like this? And he's like, yes, when I was with the Clippers, this place would rock. And I thought that was a little bit sad that he said that, like as if it was past tense and it hadn't been that mm. way for him. But what, whatever, like they've earned it. When they get that place rocking, they know that it's because of how hard they Bro, it's different. I mean, let's just be honest. Like there's a different atmosphere from playing in regular season and when everybody's wearing a white fucking T-shirt screaming their fucking lungs out. I remember, man. I remember going to Oklahoma City after those those playoff games and being in the city area and and talking to people, right? Because I used to just go get drunk with you know at the bars with my brother Rob, who had free beers at the Bricktown Brewery, right? Um, had this monthly thing, right? And we would just go get there and get drunk, and then people would come in after the playoff game and they couldn't talk. The place was almost silent because nobody could fucking talk, and it was just like everybody's voices were gone. Everything was gone. All their energy was gone. They're just sitting back and gloating because we would win, you know. And they'd just be like, oh, "I don't need to say much anymore," you know. And and that is what was missing in Oklahoma, is missing in Oklahoma City, and that's what Shay's talking about. It's not a diss in Oklahoma City, like oh, you guys just haven't had it. It's because in the playoffs atmosphere, in the whiteout. And all that other shit that happens in Oklahoma City, man, it's unlike anything else because it's so loud and it's crazy. And we've got a new big three. I mean, we've had it for a little while, but um, I would say the level of asserting his will that J-Dub has done and Chet has done hmm. recently have really just demonstrated that this, this team is in a different spot. 
Like, what what do we see from J Dub the other night? What do we see from this guy who has started out showing us what he can do, but he's trying to figure out how he can put it together like a superstar can? And then all of a sudden, we saw a superstar. Did you feel like you saw a superstar? Um, with Chet, that's the thing, man. He is a superstar. And like, that's what, that's what Sam Presti has been telling us since day one, you know, when he told us and he sat up there and he talked about Chet getting injured in the beginning of the year and how horrible it was going to be. But he said to you and said to all of us, if you told me that we would be able to draft Chet and he would have to sit out one year because of injury, would I still draft him at number two? And he said, yes, hands down. Once in a generational player. That's all we need to know. If Sam Presti is saying that, right? And then you're looking at what he has done in the first 21 games of his career, first 20 games of his career, you can't sit here and say, yeah, this guy's not for real. You got to sit here and say, dude, this dude is going to tear the NBA apart. And anybody that's going to be in his orbit is just crazy. And, and I, was, I was reading these, these things about um, you know, NBA professionals talking about Victor versus Chet. You know, and it's all those things that we said about Chet that we, you know, Chet doesn't like it's no bullshit. Like Chet goes out there and he just does the shit where all these other people are out there and they're saying, you know, Victor's like shooting fadeaways and, and um, doing stupid shit in ISO and everything else like that. Whereas Chet just goes out there and fucking does. It. And there's a different mindset. And you see somebody like Chet and you're saying, OK, yeah. In two years, could Chet be our best player on our team? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, not just a little bit, but a lot. I mean, he could be averaging 36 points a game, you know, 12 blocks, or not 12 blocks, I'm sorry, five blocks and, and 12 rebounds. I mean, that is his caliber. That is his ceiling. And it's crazy to say that you have somebody like that on your team because you already have somebody that's averaging 31, 32 points a game. And it's consistent. I mean, this is crazy, bro. Like, we, we could talk about those two, but the reality of, of what we're seeing with Chet and, and Shea, right? J-Dub. Well, everybody's focused and saying, look at those shiny fucking pieces the Oklahoma City Thunder have. Here comes J-Dub saying, motherfuckers, don't forget about me. Because when it all is done, when it's all said and fucking done, J-Dub could be the piece that we get to the playoffs. And second we hit the playoffs, he averages 35 points a game. Because everybody else is focused on piece one and piece two. They have to give the third best defender or fourth best defender on J-Dub. And J-Dub just tears them the fuck apart. They're like, well, we're not going to let Shea or Chet beat us, so we're going to let J-Dub go ahead and do his thing. And then he just fucking tears everybody's asshole apart. And that's what J-Dub will do, bro. That's what I see, too. I see J-Dub playing his own game at his own pace, and he's found a way to play within like the other players' strengths so that everybody's complimenting each other. Even though... like. We'll jump over to Josh Kitty, even though Josh Kitty isn't getting any shine in this big three, right? Like, um, and understandably, he's frustrated <laughs> from not playing the opposing minutes in these games recently. But like, the, the reality of what Giddy brings to the table is he's our best rebounding guard. He is our best passing guard. And as soon as he finds a way to be elite on the perimeter from the, from the shooting perspective, Right, coach is going to leave him in there, but right now teams are playing him out of the game, and coach is moving to Joe, who's providing great spark out in the defensive elements and then knocking down shot after shot after shot. So that's just a closing lineup thing, but obviously, he's one coach's you know approval because he's continuing to start, you know. 
dude, Josh is simply this. And, and, and we, we can say anything else you want about Josh, but if he's going to go in the game and find open guys on, you know, the um, sideline, um, out of balance, right? Which everybody has been calling slob, which I believe that Josh is a complete slob wizard. I mean, let's just put that out there. Um, you can use that any way you guys want, but when you have Side somebody line, that's able to, balance. I had to, I had to do it. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Slob guys. And so if you guys, if you think about it and you have somebody that can come in the game, whenever you have the ball out of balance and, and automatically able to put you in a position to score or one pass and score, right? Mm-hmm. That right there is somebody that is a plus 10 point player. If they just stand out of balance and they're able to find somebody open, throwing the ball in balance and they're able to do that's just 10 plus points right there and then you have somebody that doesn't turn over the ball and if you guys look at josh's stats he doesn't turn over the ball he takes care of that ball right and not only that but he finds the guys open when he's coming down the lanes you know he he gets in the lanes he finds those lanes he finds the open lanes and then he finds the open lanes with inside the open lanes right guys and think about that how many guys in the nba are able to do that and if you take about 10 seconds and you start realizing Josh has been forced to play the small forward and power forward position throughout the season. And you're like, man, the 20 something minutes a game he's getting isn't enough. You're right. It's not because he deserves to get more, but he is out of position almost all the time right now. And that's not a knock on him. That's not a knock on him. Teams are picking on him. Teams are going at him and they're doing it on purpose because they know how valuable Josh is. And if you let him go on the court and you're letting him be that slob wizard, he's going to fucking tear you apart. So Josh is demanding better defenders. He's demanding bigger defenders. He's demanding heavier defenders. And you're sitting there and you're saying 17 minutes tonight. That's not good. Well, guess what? Guess what? You look at his stats. 17 minutes, he's been putting up 8 to 10 points, right? 4 or 5 assists, 3, 4 assists, whatever. 3, 4 rebounds. A couple steals in there. Maybe a block. You know, like, like these are efficient numbers. And I understand what people will be like, well, he should be getting more of them. I, I get it. Case and Wall should be getting more. Fuck. J-Dub should be getting 33, 35 minutes a game. Chet should be 35 minutes a game. But they're not. Because we are more concerned about keeping guys healthy than we are making sure that they get more PT. And I'll be honest with you guys, is the 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 wear and tear that this process is having on Josh's body right now isn't worth putting him in the game for 25 to 40 minutes a game. It is never going to be worth it for him. We have to bring his minutes down until he gets stronger and he gets faster and he gets bigger. And then when he does that, we'll get his minutes up. But that does not come overnight. And if you look at it, guys, if you look at just the basics of what I'm saying, you got Chet at the five on defense, right? You got Josh Giddy at the four. Why? Because he's the only other guy out there that's 6'9 or higher. And then you've got, you know, Jado. You've got what 6'5, 6'6. You got Shea, 6'5, 6'6. And then Lou Dort, 6'4. So it's obvious what's happening. And I and I want everybody just to be able to appreciate. Like, I, I understand there's a lot of shit going in the air about Josh Giddy, but I just want people to step back and appreciate what he is doing with the expectations that is being brought to him and saying, do this, do this, do this. Oh, and don't turn over the ball, which he doesn't. Dude, what do you think about Case and Wallace right now? Um, oh, he's a rookie. He's going to have ups and downs, man. He's going to have insane 
moments, just like, I mean, like, put in perspective, man. Isaiah Joe leads the NBA and leads the NBA in plus minus right now. Like, I think he's plus 169. Okay. Um, but that doesn't mean he's going to go out there and, you know, play 25 minutes a game. Right. You know, it's not, it doesn't mean he's going to go out there and hit a three, hit four threes every single game. That's not his game, you know, but it is his game, but it's not his whole game because he gets out there, charges, he plays defense, he's, you know, pulling up jump shots. He's doing all the other things. Case and Walls is the same way. He's doing all these things. His defense is so on point. He's like a defensive master as a rookie. And that's where coach has been putting him. Like his offense, he knows is going to come, but he's being able to put him in positions to allow Case and Wallace to be a great defender as a rookie to get his confidence up and play better. And it's, it's working. So with Case and like, if we had seen him a year ago on this team or a few years ago, he would be starting. He would be playing nonstop minutes. Um, we would have seen all sorts of unique elements to his game that right now it's like he's getting limited opportunities to prove it but what we're seeing is one of the most efficient shooters in the league i think he's leading the league in three-point percentage right now he's well my question to you is this swap it casing comes out last year when oklahoma city picks him up at number 12 j-dub comes out this year and we're able to pick him up at number 10 all right is casing a better player at this point than j-dub well, I think if Kaysen had, had an extra year, year on his belt. Under his belt. And what we're talking about with Kaysen is um, people are saying that he's an elite defender, which I think people who pay attention know who he is, but it would be proven. Um, we would also yep. know that he was an elite shooter. And there's a high suspicion based on a very short amount of work so far that he can be. But if we knew those things coming into the season, and J-Dub was an unknown player, and we started seeing like, hey, this guy could, you know, really do what he does. He depends on an elite level. I think we'd be more excited because the problem is like a lot of people think, well, how is Casey going to crack the lineup? Whereas hmm. J Dub, they look at him and they're like, you make room for a six foot six guard who can do those types of things. Casey, they're not sure, but sure, man. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. It's really not even that complicated because with a guy like Casey who can shoot the three like he can. Like, I know I've said this before, and, you know, people have told me I'm wrong because he's going to be a better shooter, but I think of, like, a J.J. Reddick-level shooter um, mm. who can create and finish at the basket, which J.J. never really could do. And then he can also defend at a really high level. And even though J.J. became a really good team defender, he was never a great individual defender. And so he understood how to play his role in a defense. But the idea that Kaysen can take full court for the other team's all NBA player, put pressure mm. on them and make them feel uncomfortable and maybe even pick their pocket pretty regularly. The, the passing lanes he plays are incredible. And this brings me to really what I think is the key to everything right now for our success, which is the, the elite defense we play on the ball without foul. Mm. Uh, like, it's one thing if you're, if you're forcing turnovers via taking charges, which we do, or, you know, deflections that go off of other players. It's another thing to create live ball turnovers. You know, like, Shea's top five in the league in fast break points. Like, yeah. But he's leading the league by almost a full steal per game in steals. I mean, but when Shea steals the ball, Shea scores. So there you go, guys. He has, like, two and a half, I think, steals a game, something like that. And he's averaging 
about almost five points a game in the fast break. There you go, guys. He gets steal. He scores. That's shit. Uh, but you know what else is like that, Kaysen? You know what else is like that, J-Dub? And for different reasons, Josh Giddy is too. Like, once Giddy has the ball in an advantage situation where there's cross matches, it's game over. Like, yeah, he's a slob wizard, but really, like, the reason that it's so easy for him to carve teams up in a sideline out of bounds is because you have these set plays, and you can watch who's not right. paying attention, and you can see who needs to slip to the basket, and you can communicate with your eyes, and there's no... There's no question for your offense where the ball is going to be coming from. So they can all operate in this, this plan. Well, when he has the ball in transition and there's a mismatch, like he's going to find that mismatch. And it's going to get to the person who needs it. And even if that means he just gets downhill and lowers his shoulder and lays it in, that's what he's going to do. So our defense is elite. And then you throw in chess, block shots, right? Those, a lot of them are ones that we can recover. Um, KG, Minnesota player. I'm, you know, Chet's talked about looking up to him, right? Like, yep. he was the king of that. Like, he hated oh, when yeah. he would block the ball out of bounds. He wanted to gather the ball and start a fast break. And, man, he would yell. But he was he was a really intelligent defender. And I feel like oh, yeah. what Chet does is he he's blocking the ball by so much that he's choosing to keep it in play. And hmm. that's that's something that we're seeing regularly. So, his block shots turn into fast breaks, and everything we do turns into fast breaks. Our team is incredible in the fast break. Our team is great at forcing turnovers. We're great at doing what we need to do, but there's nothing better than a live ball steal. That's when the NBA is at its best. When there's nothing between Shea and the basket, there's nothing between J-Dub and the basket. And, like, I, I mean, I know people who have been around this team for long enough know what I'm talking about, but we're just starting to catch our stride. Yeah. Just think about how good we are when we're when we're full stride. Let's let's talk about my favorite team out there. All right, and then we're gonna get out of here. All right, guys, think about this. Chat out of your five, right? You've got out there at the same time. You've got J Dub, you've got Shea, and you got Isaiah Joe at the guards, right? You could put Josh Giddy out there at the four. You could, I mean, it doesn't matter. You can interchange that four position. All right, man. But the reality of what we've got right there, okay, is you've got three guys that I think are elite in the NBA at driving to the bucket and pulling up for a jump shot. Just elite. J-Dub showed us last, uh, the other night. Shea obviously is showing us for the last few years what he can do. And now you're seeing Isaiah Joe really come out of his shell. And if Isaiah Joe, che, um, or Shea, and J-Dub just do what they do, right? And you let Chet in there setting screens, rolling off screens, and you're going to the corner, getting offensive boards, putting it back up. Like, you let Chet just do his thing out there, which is not demanding of the ball at all. And then you watch the most perfect offense in the NBA just go crazy. And that's what's happening. Like, you see Isaiah Joe out on the court with Chet, with Shea, and J-Dub, guys. You know for a fact that the Oklahoma City Thunders are about to put up 15 points on the board. Every fucking time. Dude, it makes my dick so hard. It's two by four. Guys, and I want to get out before I have to leave. I want to say this, man. You know, we don't give you guys enough credit and thank you guys enough for following us, subscribing to us, to liking and, and hitting that, that like button. Uh, you guys are amazing. Um, it really means a lot to us. And, you know, there's been some dark days with this podcast and you guys have been consistent ones that have continued to tickle our balls by giving us thumbs up 
by following us and subscribing to us. It's, it's just really amazing to be able to look at the numbers and be like, damn, we've been able to build a community here in Oklahoma City, being away from Oklahoma City. And yet we can sit here and look at Wash and Unk and El Sombra and, you know, um, Niner by Nature and, you know, all these guys that we've been connected to and Chencho, uh, Jared. I mean, you guys are for real, man. And we appreciate every single one of you guys uh, through the times that we've been able to connect with you guys. So, again, thank you so much. We love you. Blake, I'm waiting for a text message. Talk to you guys soon.